Well, good morning, everyone. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles, and this will be a little tricky because it's three texts. Uh, We're going to be in three different texts today as we talk about this topic of empowering service. We'll be in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and John 13. And so I want to invite you to stand, and as you're navigating and trying to find that text, and, or the text, I should say, we've been talking about this, we've been doing this series called Gospel DNA, talking about our five values as a church. And over these past few weeks, we've talked about embracing truth, talked about winsome community, talked about healthy spirituality, generous mission, and then today we're talking about empowering service, empowering service. And as we think about that this morning, we're going to talk about and look at in these texts how we are empowered to serve collectively, wisely, and sacrificially. And so I'll invite you to think with me on that as we go through this. But how we have talked about empowering service as we put it this way, as one of our values. In a world of ambition and achievement, we work to build Christ's kingdom through collective ministry, spiritual gift mobilization, and servant leadership. And so I want to invite you, as you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and John 13, and I'll read uh, selected texts from each of those passages, but they'll be up on the screen for you, as you can see. This is God's Word. And He, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And then from 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one, speaking in the Spirit of God, ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. But as it is, God arranged the members of the, in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And then finally, John 13. 
You, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning. We ask for your grace and mercy upon us as we look at how you have empowered us to serve. Father, I pray that you would be with me and that you would empower me to preach your truth to your people. Father, I need you. And I pray that you would open our hearts to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. A daughter smiles as she receives the car keys from her mom as she goes out the door for the first time with her driver's license. A player tells his coach what play they have to run. And the coach says, you know what? Go for it. A father says to his son, what would you actually like to do? Your boss, he takes the coveted client in the firm and he says, here you go. You lead the way. Friends and family get behind your startup idea financially. Empowerment, if you were to look it up, it's defined as authority or power given to someone to do something. In all these examples, each of them were empowered to do something with their abilities. And maybe you have felt one of these. Maybe one, another one came up to you. I hope you have felt empowered in your life in some way, shape, or form. But if not, um, I hope you can at some point in your life. But either way, we've actually been empowered, been empowered in a particular way. Every follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given what's called spiritual gifts for the building up of God's kingdom. God has endowed his people with spiritual gifts. Notice, for example, if you were to go up a little earlier in Ephesians 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And that's why later on in verse 11, it says he gave. So Christ has given it. The ascended Christ through the Holy Spirit has given spiritual gifts to his people. And he empowers his people. He empowers us to actually use our gifts for the furthering, the building up of the kingdom, the building up of the body of Christ especially as Paul highlights here, the building up of the body of Christ in love. Listen to his words again in verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians 4. He says, speaking the truth in love, 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul is saying here just in these few verses that the church owes its growth to Christ. As the human body, when properly supported, joined and held together, experiences normal growth, so also the church, when each of its members supports and maintains loving contact with one another and with Christ above all, the body will be built up in love. It will grow in maturity. We have been given gifts by Christ through the Holy Spirit to be used as the body of Christ to serve Christ and his kingdom. We have actually been empowered. We've been empowered to serve Christ. Not only has he saved us, but then he's given us spiritual gifts to use in the church. And that is not just an individual thing. It's a collective thing. Our gifts are not just a me thing. Yes, you've been given them from the Lord to use them, but it's actually, it's a we thing. It's not about the individual and their ministry, but the greater collective, the body of Christ, working together. It's a team mentality. If you have been here for a while, or maybe you haven't, but if you've been here for a little while, you know that we work in teams We have youth ministry team. We have a women's ministry team. We have an AV team. We have a worship team. We have all kinds of teams, teams. And that's how we work together as God's people to serve and build up the body of Christ. When Dean and I were first leading this church and it was just the two of us meeting and we're gathering people and trying, we we couldn't do this. We never could do it alone. Always needed teams. And as the church has grown, it's given Dean and I many opportunities to go, you know, as you guys have been raised up and as you serve and as teams are put together and the gospel goes out and the church grows. You see, you all are very important. We're all very important. As Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, every gift is needed. No one gift is better than another. Just take that in. Every single gift is needed in this church, and each of you have them as followers of Christ, and you're all needed. No one gift is more important to another. Listen to these words that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 24 through 26. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, you can't do as much individually as we can collectively. But it's easy to get myopic, right? It's easy to get very narrow and to say that this is what I do and this is what I bring individually. But we live in an individualistic culture, don't we? It's no surprise, right? When so much out there is about you and your personal branding, right? It's no longer about just putting together a resume. It's about your brand. What's your personal brand as you're out there? And so many times the collective is lost. Uh, One of the things I noticed during COVID, you guys probably noticed this when a lot of restaurants were closed and you can only do takeout or delivery. 
that you would go in, and one of the things they started doing, of course, they would ask for a tip. That's normal. But I noticed with a lot of different restaurants, which is pretty cool, is that they started taking all the tips and just dividing it equally amongst everyone. And yet a lot of restaurants have actually done that to this day, which is a real sweet thing when you think about it, right? That it's not just the person serving you at the table, but even, you know, the cook in the back, right? The person washing the dishes, that things are divided out amongst the collective. It's a good picture. And, you know, we see that picture also too here at South Charlotte, uh, especially with our teams. I don't know if you realize this, but when our teams stand up here and they talk about things, like our missions team stood up last week, and they'll say, this is what we did, as in you all, or you guys, or all y'all, as they like to say in the South. Um, it's not just that team, but it's all of us, a sense of the body of Christ working together in this context. And I think Paul, he's acknowledging this on that last verse of verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 12 when he says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all are honored or all rejoice together. And so, for example, think about this. When you stub your toe, yes, your toe hurts, but the whole body's engaged, right? You're hopping around, you know, you're falling on the bed maybe even just to nurse the wounded toe or whatever. Like the whole body's engaged. But the same thing goes with honor. Like when the athlete, you know, has the gold medal draped around his neck, it's not his neck that rejoices. It's his whole body that honors the whole being, everything that he is as he stands up there for what has been accomplished. And so it is like that. And so we are empowered. We are empowered to serve collectively as God's people. But we're also empowered to serve wisely. Uh, in the church, it's no surprise to you, that it is an all-hands-on-deck mentality. Uh, several times, like we moved from the building over here into this building, it was an all-hands-on-deck, an all-call went out to the church, you know, just come and be able to carry things over and set things in place, and it was, you know, it's all-hands-on-deck. And no one can say, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of taking out the trash. That doesn't can't really do that. No, no, there's an all hands on deck, and it's a real sweetness to see in the body of Christ. But more specifically, what we're talking about here is like, yes, you also have spiritual gifts that are to be used in the church. And so we want to talk about how do I serve wisely? And, and in this, we're asking several questions. We're asking, how can you use your gifts for the church? What should you do? What should you not do? What can you do that uh, sparks joy or um, encourages you and gives life, energizes you as you do it? How can you be empowered to do something you love and that you're good at? And we're all better at some things than others. Maybe you should teach more. Maybe you shouldn't do finances. You know, we all have different gifts that God uses that he's equipped us for. But the point is, is that you've been uniquely gifted to serve in a variety of capacities as God has gifted you. And you are needed. Let me say that again. You are needed, even if you don't feel it. Even if you don't feel like people see you. You all are needed. And as someone else has said, the church is less without you and more with you. It's true. Okay? But how do I know what I'm gifted at? Or to put it in 
Paul's, the spirit of Paul's analogy with the body. Am I an elbow? Am I a neck? Am I a big toe? Am I a hand? Am I a foot? Am I a nose? What am I in the body of Christ? What's my role? Where do I fit in? Those are good questions. And here's where you start. Try something. Try something that you're interested in. Ask yourself, what is it that I like doing? What is it that energizes me? What excites me? What motivates me? Where do I find myself losing track of time while I'm doing this? It's a good question. What have others seen in me? How have they encouraged and complimented me to do something? And those are good things. But we also, if you've uh, been a part of our membership class, we also do a spiritual gift inventory. And those are also really helpful to help you figure out where are you gifted. But a great help is going to be trial and error. Trial and error, trying something in the context of a loving community where you are known, where you are seeking to know others. So try some things. Succeed. Fail. It's okay. Keep trying. Because it's a beautiful thing. It's not wasted. God uses those things for his purposes and for the building up of his church. One of the things we'll, we talk about in our new member class is we talk about the one and the one and the one. And if those of you who have attended it, you have heard this. And basically, we're asking that outside of the weekly worship, which we want everyone and expect everyone to come to, what is it, how can you be involved in one place of growth where you're being poured into, where you're growing, one place of service where you're serving, and then one place of outreach, a place you can reach out to non-Christians around you, forming relationships, reaching out with the gospel. And so basically we're asking, how can you, given your age and your stage and the non-negotiable commitments that we know you have, where's one place of growth where you can be poured into? One place of service where you can give of yourself. And then one place of reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are those? You all have been gifted and utilized for the building of God's kingdom. And so what could you, given the time that you have, your age and stage, and your commitments of mother, father, employee, student, the list goes on. How can you serve What excites your heart when you do it? Well, we have been empowered to serve collectively, wisely, and then lastly, sacrificially. In this text of John 13 that we read at the beginning, John starts out in verse 1 and he says this. He says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus, that night, he would wash their feet and he would tell them to do likewise, meaning far more than just washing people's feet. But it was more of how they were to operate in this world, to be servant leaders who go out, just like Jesus, as he had modeled for them, the servant leader, He's telling them, we servant leaders, go out and do as I do. I mean, he even says it later on and look at verse 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give to you, 
that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so Christ, as Christ loved them all the way to the cross, right? They were to go out and to love one another in this way. And Jesus spoke of this. He spoke of this idea of servant leadership in other texts like Mark chapter 9, where he would impress upon them this idea of being a servant leader. And as you have heard from time to time, a servant leader is willing to do anything. Yes, you have, our, you have your gifts, but you're willing to do anything and willing to serve. And this means we serve one another in love, in a sacrificial way, looking out for the needs of others, showing that humility that Christ had. Some of you may know this story, but um, there's a story of a man named Lincoln Hall, and he basically was left for dead while descending from the summit of Mount Everest. So he summited, and it was on his way down that he was actually left for dead on May 25th, 2006. He had been suffering cerebral edema, which caused him to hallucinate and become confused. And according to the reports, how it goes is the Sherpas, they attempted a rescue for hours. But as night began to fall, their oxygen supplies diminished and snow blindness set in. And the expedition leader ordered the Sherpas to leave him on the mountain and return to camp after he had been pronounced dead by his rescuers. A statement was later released announcing his death to his friends and family. However, the next morning, 12 hours later, Hall was found still alive at 8.53 a.m. by a team that was making a summit attempt. The team consisted of team leader Danielle Mazur, Andrew Brash, Miles Osborne, and Jangbu Sherpa. And the group found that he was suffering from symptoms of the uh, cerebral edema, frostbite, and dehydration. And he was generally incoherent to the even res their responses of, of help. He was alone, he was hallucinating, and without any of the proper equipment for survival in such conditions. And apparently what had happened is he had summited and he had come down on his way down, he had collapsed. And he's right here on this thing called the North Ridge. And here's the stats on it. The North Ridge is 28,000 feet high. And it's located on this severe ridge line with 10,000 foot drop to one side, 7,000 foot drop to the other. And without oxygen and proper equipment, uh, you're not going to survive. It's virtually essential. And so this rescue effort went into action. Dan and his team abandoned their attempt to even summit uh, Mount Everest, uh, and they could see that Hall was in bad shape, and so they replaced the hat, the jacket, and the gloves that Mr. Hall had discarded, anchored him to the mountain, and gave him their own oxygen, food, and water, and they radioed Hall's team who had given him up for dead and convinced them that he was still alive and must be saved. Mr. Hall's team leader had already called his wife the night before and told her that her husband was dead. And the rescuers arranged for the Sherpas from Mr. Hall's team to ascend and help with the rescue. And for four hours, the team worked to care for Mr. Hall. And the rescuers, they gave up their summit to, uh, in order to save Mr. Hall. They used their own supplies to sustain him. They even risked not having enough oxygen and food themselves to actually get down from where they were. Um, and obviously, they didn't summit Mount Everest. And so they stayed there. They cared for him, and they took a risk. 
And Hall was actually brought down the mountain. He actually ended up walking the last part, and then he was attended to by doctors. And he, all he suffered was severe frostbite and recovered from the effects of cerebral edema. It's a good picture. Dan and his team, they used what they had with them, and they sacrificed their ascent and their supplies so that he could survive. They didn't value their goal over and above Hall's life. Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has given us spiritual gifts. He is the one who has all the resources, and he's the one that moved toward us when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, giving us salvation, and then giving us gifts so that we could further build his kingdom, so that we could further uh, build up the body of Christ. This morning, my call, my charge is for us to dream a little. To dream. To dream a little about how you could be empowered towards something that energizes your heart. Just as Jesus, our Savior, was energized toward us. To save us, and then to equip us for his glory, so that his name could be proclaimed. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you that in your grace, you move toward us in Jesus Christ, saving us from our sins, calling us to yourself, and then giving us these gifts so that we could help build your kingdom, so that we could advance the gospel, so that hearts and lives would be changed, so that we'd be built up, that we would grow that we grow stronger in our love as a community and mature. Father, I pray that you would help us as a church with these gifts that you have empowered us with to be on mission together for your kingdom and your glory so that your name might be proclaimed. Not a brand, not our personal brand, not our church brand, but that Christ might be proclaimed. Father, do that work in and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.